Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make him known. The gospel lesson for today is from Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 30. This can be found on page 1037 of your Pew Bible. When Jesus is asked about the number of people who will be saved, he replies by describing the path that leads to salvation. A reading from Luke chapter 13, beginning with the 22nd verse. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, Would those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence. And you taught in our streets, but he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. At my church back home in Maryland, you never wanted to be late for morning worship. Specifically, You never wanted to arrive after the pastoral prayer began. You see, the pastoral prayer was somewhat a sacred space in the service. It was a highlight in the service. And once the pastoral prayer began, the doors to the sanctuary would be shut and locked. No one could enter. Now, that portion of the service alone was about 30 minutes long and sometimes longer. So arriving after the prayer started meant you were waiting outside the sanctuary for 30 minutes or even longer. A 30-minute prayer, stand with church, count your blessings. (laughs) You are truly a blessed people. Can you imagine a 30-minute prayer? And what made it even worse, (laughs) if it couldn't get any worse, was that after the prayer, the doors were opened, and everyone would see who (laughs) arrived late. (laughs) Now, that sounds a little silly, but it was pretty embarrassing back then. You definitely wanted to be on the inside.
And this morning, we're going to talk about another door. As we begin our sermon series titled, The Way, The Truth, The Life. Many of us are familiar with that phrase. It's found in John 14, 6, where Jesus tells us he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And the theme this morning is the way. Our sermon title, Strive. Jesus is the way. Now, the text tells of a door that gets shut. It's a narrow door through which we must strive in order to enter while it's still open. Unless you strive to enter, you will be left outside. Saints, once the door is shut, those who are in are in. Those who are out are out. Friends, this narrow door is our passage. In our passage, it's Jesus. Jesus is our passage to the kingdom of God. He is our passage to salvation. Our text begs the question, how many will enter in? How many will be saved? But more importantly, who will be saved? Who is in and who is out? Now, I have to admit, when they gave me this one, my colleagues, it's a pretty tough text to discuss. And it's an even more tough question to answer. Will you be in or will you be out? Who will be saved? That's a tough question. Perhaps you've pondered that question yourself. Will you be saved? Will salvation be yours to grasp? I can't answer that question for you. Saints, but the good news is that no matter how tough the question, there's always an answer in the word of God. And this morning, we will learn three key takeaways concerning salvation. Three key takeaways. First, salvation requires our earnest effort. Second, it requires our urgent attention. And third, it requires our careful self-examination. Salvation requires our earnest effort. It requires our earnest attention. And it requires our careful self-examination. So let's dive in together. Read along with me the text that shows up on the wall. We're going to read verses 22 through 24. Our first takeaway, salvation requires our earnest effort. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Here we find Jesus traveling through the towns and villages teaching. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God as he proceeds on his way to Jerusalem. As Jesus is teaching, someone in the crowd asks the question, Lord, will those who are saved be few? Now, we're not certain who asked the question or even why the question was asked. 
Jesus is speaking to a crowd made up of mostly Jews. And he see, so it seems probable that by addressing Jesus as Lord, this is probably one of his professed disciples. Whatever the reason, and whomever asks the question, are there just a few being saved? Again, you've probably pondered that question. When we look around our world, it's in total crisis. Our world is in crisis. It appears that there are fewer and fewer committed Christians. Will there only be a few saved? Legitimate question. But Jesus doesn't directly answer this man's question. Instead, he redirects the question from an application of how many will be saved toward the application for each person in the crowd. The man asked, will, you, will, will there be a few saved? And Jesus turns around and says, will the saved be you? Jesus responds with a command that applies the question to each ear's hearts. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Strive. Strive through the narrow door. The NIV version reads, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. I really like the way Eugene Peterson puts it in the Message Bible. He says, Jesus says, whether there are few or many, it's none of your business. <laughs> Put your mind on your life with God. Jesus makes it personal. He makes it a personal matter for each person in the crowd. Strive to enter through the narrow door. Friends, the narrow door is narrow not because of exclusivity. Narrow implies that the way to salvation may not be that easy. It may not be that popular. Following Jeezy is not an easy thing to do. Few will choose the narrow door, but many more will choose the wider door. They will choose the wide road. They will choose the wider path. They will choose the wide ways of the world. They will choose their own understanding instead of choosing the things and the ways of God. But saints, we must choose to enter through the narrow door and we must strive to enter it. The Greek word for strive is agonizime. It's from the root word agonizo. And it gives us our English word agony, agonize. The main context of the word applies to Greek-Roman athletic contests and competitions where there was fierce struggle and the goal was to win. Every athlete, every athlete who wins, he strives to win. The word means to struggle, to contend, to fight, to exert oneself, to endeavor strenuous zeal to obtain something. The word pictures an athlete giving his or her best to win the contest. There's stark opposition against him. He endures countless trials and tribulations during the quest, 
but he invests great energy and effort into winning. It's not a passive endeavor. Gold-winning athletes aren't passive. They're not passive in their journeys. They're deliberate. They're determined. They're passionate. And they're focused towards achieving the prize despite all that's against them. Everything they do presses to that end. They strive. They strive. So in our context, what does it truly mean to strive to enter through the narrow door? Well, saints, first of all, it supposes that there's difficulty in the way. Opposition to be overcome and needs to be overcome with, rig- with vigorous effort. Who are our opponents? Sin. Our sinful natures. The self is an opponent, saints. Satan himself is the biggest opponent. Striving is exerting ourselves with vigor against these components. It's a call to continual obedience. It's embracing our faith, not as a mere habit, but as a living and active force in our lives. Paul uses the same word when he says, fight the good fight of faith. And when he says, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. He was committed. He was persistent in his effort. Now, mind you, if this verse is taken out of context, one might think that there's some things we can do, that we can do some work to merit entrance by the narrow door, that one could work his or way into heaven. Well, friends, nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus is not teaching works-based righteousness here. Ephesians chapter 9, verses 8 through 9 reminds us of that. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So this isn't about works, saints. Jesus calls us to strive for salvation with unyielding commitment and to be an active participant. Our soul and our hearts must guide us to seek God wholeheartedly, to go deeper into relationship with him, to repent from our past sins, to reject the the distractions of the world. Striving to enter the narrow door is an urgent call, friends, to prioritize our relationship with God above all else. It has to be number one. This leads us into our second takeaway. Salvation requires our urgent effort. I'm sorry, it requires our urgent attention. Salvation requires our urgent attention. Follow along with me as I read verses 25 through 27. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, 
and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you're from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. Friends, we all tend to procrastinate. We all put things off. There are things in life that you can put off and be late for, not pastoral prayer. <laughs> and they won't be that very problematic. For example, you can get to a movie or a concert late. No big deal. But suppose you arrive late for the bus or your flight out of town and the door shuts. That's the bigger problem. I'm reminded of yet another door that was shut. Noah's Ark. We all remember what happened there. There, too, the time had come when the door was shut. And for many, it was too late. It was too late. They procrastinated. They waited. They didn't think it urgent. Friends, the door of the ark was shut by God himself. And it symbolized the moment of closure and separation between those who were inside, protected and saved, and those who were left outside, vulnerable to destruction. Friends, there is no opportunity, there was no opportunity for those outside the ark to change their fate once the door shut. Their salvation was done. Friends, standing outside the narrow door is to be shut out of eternity forever. The day is coming when the master of the house will get up and he will shut the door. And you will begin to stand outside and knock. Friends, once the door is shut, it's shut. It will not be opened again. Those inside are in. Those outside are out. Friends, time is of the essence. There is no time to procrastinate. Eventually, the door will shut. And when it does, will you be on the inside? Or will you be on the outside? The scriptures tells us who's in and who's out. Follow along with me again as we reread verses 25 through 27. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and we drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you're from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. Jesus says to those on the outside, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me. Friends, these were not people who openly rejected Jesus. They spent time with Jesus. They spent time with him during his ministry. They had been around him. They heard his teachings. He had been among them. They probably witnessed his miracles. Why, they had even eaten 
and drank. They had even enjoyed his fellowship. Yet they were standing outside, looking in. What's the problem? What's the problem here? Two times Jesus says, I do not know where you're from. Friends, they assumed they had a relationship with Jesus. But Jesus did not acknowledge that he knew them. Saints, being known by Jesus is quite different than knowing about Jesus. We can know many things about someone, yet not be acknowledged by them. On Google or Facebook, you can learn a lot about a leader. You can learn a lot about a culture maker. But you send them a friend request, and they may ask, do I know you? (laughs) What they're really saying is, I don't know you. (laughs) Likewise, saints, those on the outside knew, did not, Jesus did not know them. But Jesus didn't know them. Jesus' audience was mostly Jewish followers. They believed that their mere association with Jesus was sufficient. They relied on their heritage. They relied on their rituals and knowing Jesus. They relied on being sons of Abraham. They figured they were shoo-ins. They didn't strive to know Jesus. Again, simply knowing about someone doesn't make you known by them. So how can we be known by Jesus? How can we be known by Jesus? Friends is pursuing with all that we are, an authentic, transformative relationship with Jesus. We listen to his words as the word of God. We study his word. We follow his commands. We're willing to undergo personal transformation through repentance and embracing righteousness. When we're known by Jesus, friends, we have a mutual interaction with him. And it's through this relationship, Jesus gives us eternal salvation. So where are you? Are you on the inside? Or are you on the outside? Our third takeaway, salvation requires a careful self-examination. Read with me verses 28 through 30. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out, and people will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south, and they will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, summer last who will be first, and some are first, who will be last. Friends, the closed door makes a final separation between those inside and those outside. Either you're in because you've entered through the narrow door, which is Jesus Christ, or you're out 
because you've trusted in your own goodness. You've only gone through the motions of eating and drinking with Jesus. You truly haven't cultivated an intimate relationship where you hear and obey his word. You haven't repented from your sins and you haven't accepted Jesus as Lord. Salvation requires us to examine ourselves and answer the one question. If I were to stand before God today and he say, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? What would your response be? Friends, there's only one correct answer. I'm trusting completely in your son Jesus and in his shed blood. That's the only answer. That's the only correct answer to that question. And it's in that truth and in the word of God that the door is open and the good news is that it's available to all. Verses 29 through 30 reads, and people will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and they will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some that are last will be first, and some are first who will be last. Many who thought they were first, they'll be the last. The Jews of Jesus' day, they thought of themselves to be the first. God gave them the word. They were God's chosen people. They despised the Gentiles. They relied on their Jewish heritage and their Jewish customs for entrance through the narrow door. But friends, verse 29 describes a more inclusive invitation into the kingdom of God. And people will come from the north and the south, from the east and the west, and they will recline at the table in the kingdom of God. Here Jesus says many Gentiles will be in the kingdom. They will be eating with the patriarchs and the prophets while many of the self-righteous Jews will be shut out. In some ways, we can be in that same place as the Jewish people in that day. We're familiar with the things of the God. Like me, perhaps you're even raised in the church, knowing the gospel. But have you personally entered through the narrow door? Have you come to Jesus as a guilty sinner? Have you laid hold of him as the only acceptable sacrifice for your sins? Are you seeking to know him and to grow in him? And know him as Savior and Lord. When I started the sermon, we mentioned someone in the text who asked Jesus a question. Will those who are saved be few? And Jesus answered, will you be saved? When that question was asked, do you remember where Jesus was headed? Jesus was headed to Jerusalem where he would be arrested and ultimately he would give up his life so salvation could even be possible for you and I. Amen. 
Later on in Luke in chapter 22 and verse 44, we read these words. This is just before Jesus is arrested. Father, if you are willing to remove this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Friends, the word agony here is the same word used for strive in our text. Strive emphasizes the need for intentional effort and dedication in seeking a relationship with Jesus. Similarly, Jesus being in agony and praying more earnestly highlights his intense struggle, his intense commitment in fulfilling his mission for you and for me. That deserves an amen. Just as Jesus agonized in prayer, pouring out his heart and surrendering to God's will, Friends, we are called to strive earnestly, wholeheartedly to seek a deep connection with Jesus. Friends, the door is narrow. And it will soon be shut forever. But right now, today, it's still open. The door is still open. And Jesus is saying, I am the way. Strive to enter through the narrow door. He says, for many will seek and not be able to. Are you in? Or are you out? I think... This morning's message isn't just another scripture for today. There's nothing coincidental about God. I believe today's message is intentional. It's an intentional invitation, friends, from the one who says, I am the way. He's saying it to you right now. I am the way, and I want to know you. I want to know you even the more. Perhaps you've just been simply eating and drinking with Jesus. Or perhaps you've made your own door by just being a good person and going through all the motions. Perhaps you've relied on your long-standing family name in the church but you have not staked your own claim for entrance through the narrow door. You haven't surrendered and committed all that you are to Jesus. Saints, if that's you, if that's you, and you haven't said, yes, Lord, here I am, I'd like to invite you to pray. I'd like you to, I'd like to invite you to pray along with me. You can sit there in your quietness. You can kneel on the kneelers. You can even stand. But better yet, 
You can even be bold and proclaim Jesus in the sanctuary and come to the altar. I invite you to come to the altar this morning. Strive right through the fear. Strive right through what someone's going to think about as you approach the front. This is the day to say yes. This is the day to say yes. Is there anyone? Is there anyone who wants to proclaim Jesus this morning and say, yes, come into my heart. Let him come to the front. Let him come to the front right now. He's calling you. The word said that they will come from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Let us witness that in here today. Come from the east, come from the west, the north and the south. He wants to hear you say, I am here, Lord. Perhaps you said yes already. Perhaps you've been committed and consistent in your journey. And you simply want to affirm your place. You want to say, yes, Lord, I'm still here. Come to the front. Stand, kneel, and proclaim, I'm still here. Striving is a posture of the heart, friends. Today is the day to posture your heart and say to God, I'm all in, Lord. You can posture your heart right now, this morning, while that door is still open, to say, I'm trusting God in you completely. I'm trusting in your son, Jesus Christ. I'm trusting in his shed blood. Is there anyone? Thank you for standing. Is there anyone? Is there anyone? Praise God. Praise God in the sanctuary. 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 He's worthy to be praised. Yeah, glory. As we humble our hearts and we stand before you striving right now, just follow me in this prayer. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come before you humbly, recognizing my need for salvation. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that without you, your grace and mercy, I'm lost. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. I believe in him and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you completely. Help me to grow in faith. To trust in you wholeheartedly. I pray that you grant me eternal life. In your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. To learn more.
more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.